Um, what what kind of impact do you think the pandemic will have on aging? Okay, so um, in my field, I have read a lot of periodicals, a lot of journal articles, a lot of research um, that is saying that it has actually um, stigmatized aging even more. Um, I don't know if I completely see it that way. Maybe I'm trying to be more optimistic about it, and so I don't want to only see that. But their point is that all the you know the news was constantly that older adults are vulnerable, their immune systems are low, they're weaker, you know, they're going to get sicker, they're going to die, uh, and so it um, it made us focus more again on that physical decline. Um, which if we only focus on the inevitable physical decline that we have as we age, of course it's going to be all negative. But we're not just physical. We're, we're not just a body, right? We are more than muscles and bones and whatnot. Um, you know, we still have creativity. We still have relationships. We still have social connections. We still have spirituality. So as a social gerontologist, I want to focus more on those things. So... Um, I would say that the pandemic in isolating us um, helped a lot of people think more about their grandparents and want to be with them. And we were able to see a lot, I was able to see anyway, a lot of really positive uh, images of um, you know, people visiting their loved ones and touching hands through the glass of you know, the independent living or assisted living facility or nursing home that they were in. We saw a lot of really nice um, images like that that show that people wanted to be with, um, you know, their family members of different ages. Um, so yes, there were absolutely negative effects, um, but I also like to focus on how the pandemic made us more grateful for certain things too. Yeah. I, I agree with that, especially um, during quarantine. Yes. Yeah. There's a yeah for a time where people were freaking out initially. Like there's also like just a lot of positivity like during quarantine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a great time. I remember, I I remember just I had so much time to do so many different things. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, would you consider yourself an introvert? Yes. Okay, so I consider myself to be an introvert too. And so, yeah, at first, that downtime, you know, not having to go here, there, and everywhere, make an appearance, show up, you know, all of that, I was like, this is okay with me. Um, but I also know, uh, even before the pandemic, I knew this, that, um, you know, sometimes I can retreat a little too much. And it is healthy, you know, to be with people and to have a support. And um, I think, you know, church membership and church attendance has been dwindling for decades. Um, And a lot of people talk about that in terms of, oh, there's moral decline. I don't want to approach it from that aspect. What I want to approach it from a functional aspect. Um, Being a member of a community okay, and in this case, we're talking about churches, a church community, Um, it just means that, again, there are like-minded people who will come to your aid if you're in need. Um, So if you get sick or you have a surgery, you know, people are going to bring food over to you. They're going to call on you. Um, And this could be your book club, or this could be your, um, you know, people you play Smash Brothers with. I mean, you know, I'm just talking about community. Um, So 
you know, but back to the church, um, another good thing about being in an actual church community is that if you do want to have a celebration of life at the end of your life, if you do want, uh, you know, your loved ones to, um, to have a funeral service for you, then you've got that home community. You know, you've got that place um, for that. Um, so as much as, um, yeah, I can kind of like uh, stepping back, being unplugged, I also know that, um, I don't want to use the word unplugged. That's That, again, kind of like reeks of technology, and I don't want to bring that into it. As much as I like to step back and get away from the traffic and um, the noise and, and stuff, I do know how important it is to have a good social support group. Um, again, whether it's a, a best friend or a, a little small group or, a, or like a church community or some kind of traditional community like that. All of those things really increase uh, the quality of life, um, especially as you age, because you step out of so many roles as you age. You know, you're, you're no longer... Um, you know, an employee, you're no longer a, a worker, um, you know, you're not the, the breadwinner. Um, Unless, like, for some people, at least, like, um, actually, that's a, that is a good question, because, you know, like, like my grandfather, for instance, uh -huh. like, um, you know, he still has, like, well, he's technically retired, but he still has, like, his chimney business that he does. Yeah. And he likes that. He likes working. And actually, um, like when you retire like from like the job that you do like is it is it good to have like relaxation time and you know have ho hobbies and do activities um or like is it like for like for those who like to continue working is that good for them or is that bad for them you know Again, I, I'm very much about individuals understanding themselves and trying to, you know, figure out what works for them. We're all unique individuals. Um, my dad is absolutely a worker. He absolutely is. Um, he retired at age 55. He owned his own tool and die company, um, you know, for years, um, but retired at 55. And the, the kinds of things he likes to do best, his hobbies, is, it actually consists of work. Yeah. So it's mowing, it's, you know, weeding, it's, uh, you know, mending fences. Um, it, it's, it's all outdoor manual labor kinds of work. And yeah. he considers those to be his hobbies. You know, yeah. he's not a golfer. He's, he doesn't belong to a, you know, a, a club, you know, like a country club or something like that. Um, he's, he, uh, he doesn't volunteer, but he helps people informally. Yeah. You know, like if his neighbor needs something, then, you know, he'll, he'll grade their driveway when it snows or, you know, whatever. Um, so he reaches out and helps people. But he's, you know, he's not an incredibly social person. He doesn't join those volunteer groups and go to luncheons and whatever. Um, and that's okay. Um, I constantly see in the gerontology literature that... Um, you know, not being alone and, and volunteering and being with people, that is the best thing for older adults. But we still have to remember Everyone's the different. essence of who some individuals yeah. are. And so, you know, slight modifications from um, that best practice has to be, I think, taken into consideration. Yeah, and that's a, that's a good perspective. Like what we consider work might be a hobby to someone else. Right. And because uh, I'm an introvert, right? Yeah. And like I'm comfortable um, just 
with having solitude. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, 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 you know, I still have friends. I still hang out. Um, uh, but for, for the most part, I, I love solitude. Yeah. And as a kid, you know, I had relatives that thought that wasn't normal. You know, these were more like extroverted people. And I never really felt like any discomfort or any kind of anxiety with being an introvert until they brought it up. Right. And I hate that uh-huh. because it's like, don't you want to like, you know, bring a friend with you to the movie theaters or whatever? I'm like, no, no, I'm totally fine with going by myself to the movie theater. I like to experience that by myself. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's not. It's just like I don't. I don't. I don't like necessarily find discomfort in that until like someone just like mentions it and it's just it just ruins it <laughs> right yeah i i know that my dad um when he goes out and about to run errands and things like that i mean he talks to everybody you know so to him and perception is everything it's very perception is our reality it's very important um so when he says that he's friends with the mailman and the store clerk and the this person and the that person and and that's enough interaction for him that's good for him he says and you know sometimes we have to believe people so yeah you know you said um and most of us say this when we retire from something um and i have had individuals tell me and i really like this that it would be a lot better to start saying that you're retiring to something so I'm retiring, yes, I am retiring from this job that I had for 20 years, 20, 30 years, whatever. But now I'm retiring to, you know, fishing and, uh, you know, uh, vol- volunteering um, to reading finally all the books I wanted to read. Um, so that, that's something else that I guess I would want to bring up. Uh, you kind of alluded to it. It made me think earlier. Um, it is okay to rest after retirement. You know, yes, it is okay to rest. I do worry about people, again, that just sit in front of screens all the time, though. Uh, again, we, we know that even the light itself is really not good for our brains. Um, and then the content of what might be on is maybe not the best for us. Um, we know that it's so passive. It's not, uh, it doesn't stimulate our brains. So when we read a book, you know, at least our brains are trying to conjure up what do those characters look like and what does that scenery look like? Um, when we, you know, when we do puzzles or when we do, and, and I know it sounds kind of cliche, but you know, when we do crossword puzzles and word searches and all of that, that is stimulating for the brain. So um, we do wanna keep stimulating our brains because just like if we stop getting up and down off the floor, if we stop asking our brains to problem solve, we're gonna lose all that. If you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, while I believe it is important that we listen to people if they say, I like my solitary time, you know, I don't need to be around people all the time. Well, we need to respect that. I really do want to encourage people to like, go ahead and turn off that TV or don't stare at that computer or your phone all the time. Go ahead and read, go ahead and, um, you know, do do something that, you know, at least when you're putting a puzzle together, you're standing up, you're walking around, you're looking for the different pieces, you know, there's more movement involved, and you're literally problem solving, and that's good for your brain, so. I guess, 
because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm uh, like in the media department, and I guess all of us in the, like in the media or film the, in the, in the film industry are just pretty much doomed. Because like, because like that's Why? literally like some, well, because that's literally like the job of like, like of like some people, like editors, uh-huh. you know, or like I'm, I'm a writer, and like I'm always on my computer like, like 24/7 because I'm always like, because I don't, I probably should. I know there's some. St- writers who kind of like old-fashioned still like write it on a notepad before putting it into the screen but I I always just do it on my on my laptop and right. I, I wrote I was actually just like writing yesterday on my look like looking at my screen all day and I guess it's I don't know it's it's hard though like if if you like work if you have a profession like where you're just like staring at a screen mm-hmm. all the time right and I do I stare at a screen a lot yeah you know I I work on campus, and then I very often go home and work some more. Um, I love having a flexible schedule, but it also means that uh, I don't have that split, like, at work, not at work. Um, you know, just like just like the blue light glasses have come out and ways that we can change the uh, color, the tone, you know, on our screens, I guess we'll continue to adapt so that it's not as unhealthy I guess we'll continue to come up with things that, you know, make it less bad for us. I don't know. I don't want to think that everybody's doomed, though. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I do I do find time to get away from that. Like, I I love going on walks. Yeah. Like, that's like the like the. At least for me, like, that's probably like one of my, my favorite just activity away from any kind of technology. I need to get back into reading, reading though. Uh-huh. I did that a lot during quarantine. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Like, during quarantine, I, did, I used screens less. Did you? Yeah, and I felt healthier, and then I got back into, like, my old habits and just kind of started feeling crappy again. Yeah, yeah. So. Again, I guess everything in moderation. Yeah. Um, hmm. I guess... Because this is something that I worry about, and I worry about for other people, um, like people that I know. If you're like at a certain age, right, and you've kind of had like so many bad habits, bad health habits, mm-hmm. like if you're like in your 50s or your 60s, like is it too late for you to like change, to to go on a better path and to kind of change your habits? Right. I, I'm going to say, in general, it's never too late, right, to try to improve something. And uh, the effects of that change will vary. So, you know, for example, uh, those who have smoked all their lives, um, when they quit smoking, um, not only do they stop the damage, but there's actually a little bit of healing that takes place. So, you know, your lungs can actually um, improve um, there are other kinds of, again, as an interdisciplinary person, I'm thinking there's the, phys- there's a physical example. Um, what are some others? The, like, mm, emotionally and socially, um, the more we run and run and run and don't process our feelings, I think that's a harder habit to break. That is a if you if you do that for an entire lifetime, it becomes harder and harder to develop uh, those 
better emotional habits and those better, you know, social habits. Um, and again, I'm not, um, I'm not a neuropsychologist. I'm not a neurologist. Uh, there's always been debate about um, how our brains are affected by certain things and whether we can, um, quote, change our brains. And I know there are some people who say, no, we don't change our brains. And I know there's some lines of research that say, yes, we, we can kind of create new pathways. Um, so again, I'm going to go back to that optimistic answer is it's never yeah. too late. Um, in ter- again, in terms of like identity and development, um, older adults, um, so, so, so we have a... Um, Gerotranscendence is this concept that we use, gerotranscendence. Um, it, it's basically at the end of your life um, when you know, you know, death is, um, you know, with, within a year or so. Um, when, when you're kind of reviewing your life, if you haven't been, if you've never reviewed your life, if you've never reviewed a day in your life, uh, maybe... Um, when you know you're actively dying, maybe you will try to do that. Um, and so what are the kinds of things that um, you want to overcome so that you can die a peaceful person, right? Or have a good death. Um, obviously, if you've been reflecting all along, if you've been trying to manage your feelings all along, that's going to be a lot easier for you. You would have been mending relationships along the way, and you would have been learning to deal with guilt, with grief, with all kinds of regrets, you know, along the way. Um, But even if you just do that for a a couple of months before you die, um, any kind of healing is helpful. If you can say sorry to someone, if you can talk to someone that you haven't talked to in decades, um, if you can apologize for something, um, if you can... um, if you can uh, maybe for the first time ever think about uh, whether and if there's something after this life uh, that's comforting to you, um, then you know the, the anxiety is going to decrease. Um, you know, th- there are people definitely who are afraid to die. Yeah. And um, you know, maybe you've heard, maybe you've heard you're born alone and you die alone. It doesn't mean that there's no one else around. It just means that nobody else is experiencing yeah. it the way you are. Um, you're the only one who's going to walk through that final door, so to speak. So you're alone. Um, I think, again, that's why meditation or having been concerned with transcendental aspects in your life is so important. Because if indeed you are alone at the end of your life, at least there's a way to be with yourself. Yeah. So it's never too late. I think it's never too late to be intentional. Yeah, I could, I can definitely relate because uh, just with this journey to like, because like the whole reason, like I, one of the major reasons why I did this podcast was like, just like um, to not only like potentially help others, but also just also just to improve myself. Mm-hmm. And um you mentioned apologizing to people and I've um, I've done that like with people that I've had like not necessarily strained relationships but um, just like issues like in the past and it feels really good to do that because like 
then you can start to repair um or even and even if you don't like no matter what like if you're just honest and you apologize it's a very healing process yeah i mean we grow every single time we do something that's difficult you know we grow yeah I guess going back to like some of the things that we, we talked about at the beginning, um, what do you think is like the most important thing? Um, and like just, I guess in life and just to spend our time on. I guess I will say something that relates to um, you know, being with yourself. Um, yeah, I, I think it is being authentic. I think it's authenticity. I think that's what it is. Um, if you really spend time getting to know who you are, you know, your, your strengths, your, your good points, your quirks, your qual, you know, your, um, your weaknesses, and then accepting that, not really judging it, just knowing it. I think when we're able to do that, then we're able to do that with other people too. Um, you know, we're, we're able to keep our egos out of a lot of things. Um, that's another trait that I believe can be a gift in later life is humility. And if we can become humble earlier in our lives, um, I think we will treat people a lot better we will take things a lot less personally. Again, keep your ego out of it. Try to be more humble. Then you're less judgmental. Um, and then we're less fearful. We're less anxious. So, yeah, authenticity, I think, might be. <laughs> and, you know, um, I, I don't know. You asked me the question, and I never, never really thought of what is that one thing. But, yeah, it, I, I think it's authenticity. Because in a way, before you can make those connections with other people, you have to be accepting of yourself first. I think so. Yeah. 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 To make healthy connections with other people, you know, um, so that we're not expecting things from other people. You know, we're not looking to gain something from them. We're not taking advantage of them. Um, we're not judging them. Yeah. I, I think, uh, yeah, we, we have our... Uh, we have our best um, practice <laughs> right here um, with ourselves. We can practice with ourselves. Yeah. A lot of people are nicer to other people than they are to themselves. Yeah. Um, that's sad. Yeah. But but the the alternative isn't good either. It's not good to only like yourself and to judge other people. So right. <laughs> that's not authentic. That's not authenticity. So, yeah. I guess what does my generation have to look forward to? I don't know if I can, I don't know that I can directly answer that. Um, I, you know, obviously, I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a fortune teller, and this yeah. isn't something that I've actually tried to read what other people have said. But you know, what comes to mind is just. Um, you know, we we use the concept of cohorts um, to understand people, 
because time is always marching on. And so any group of people, they're going to be different because they live in different social and cultural and historical circumstances than other groups of people who have lived at other times. So now what I'm kind of starting to talk about is generations. So generation. And are you millennial generation? Um, I'm, I'm Gen Z. Okay. You're Gen Z. Okay. So my, my children are, are Gen Z as well. So anyway, one thing that comes to mind is, um, uh, Ooh, and I'm not going to be able to think of, um, the researchers, but they are, they're actually journalists, historians who, who came up with this theory of generations. Um, and they basically say that there are five kind of archetypes of generations and that they repeat themselves. Um, and so your generation would line up and be similar to, I hope I'm saying this right, um, would line up and be similar to like the greatest generation. So it's hard to, Now, think about this. I mean, it's not like there was a cohort of people born for greatness, right? We don't know that. It's the things that, it's the current events that cause people to have to react to do certain things, and then they're considered great after the fact. Mm. So if history is is repeating, and if history is reproducing itself, um, you know, and there's debate about whether it is or not, um, it could be. Feel like we're going into science fiction now <laughs> it could be that you know the world's events come to a point where your generation is really challenged and and you have to rise to the occasion and um you know you're going to go down in history as a very special generation that's interesting yeah <laughs> and there will be nothing wrong with with thinking about that possibility yeah. right that's hopeful that right cool yeah What about some of the other ones, like like um, like the baby boomers or mm-hmm. Gen X? Like, what are they kind of? What what are, what are their ar- archetypes? Yes, I wish I had. I wish I had this in front of me. Like I said, it's heavily debated. There are people who really like this theory. Strauss and Howe, that's who it is. Strauss and Howe. Um, again, they're they're not social scientists. Uh, they're journalists and historian, I believe, economists maybe. Um, so. Again, greatest generation um, were the ones who had to, um, they, they, they just had to answer a calling. They had duty. There, there were things that needed to be done, and they, they were basically heroes, right? And, and then what tends to follow is kind of a dormant period, and that's a, a bit more like my generation, Gen X. Um, it's just kind of a, a, just kind of a steady period where not a lot is happening. There aren't, there weren't a whole lot of, you know, major changes. Um, a lot was in the works for technology, but the impact wasn't felt yet, right? So um, the baby boomer generation before me and after the greatest generation, um, they were the ones who they prospered from the achievements of the greatest generation. And so they kind of had this luxury time to rebel and to start to say, hey, this is what's wrong with culture. This is what's wrong with class, race, gender. Um, you know, we think there should be improvements. And so they were, you know, again, again, the um, rebellious, the critical, the critics, uh, you know, questioning 
um, if society should change. They, they started so, social movements. Um, the baby boomers were, um, they were really the beginning of the self-help movement, which is probably tied to self-care. Um, but when there are, when there are uh, critical things happening in society like war, we don't have the luxury to question who am I and is this unjust? Should this law change? Uh, we just know we have, you know, an enemy to fight or, um, you know, something to defend, uh, democracy or, you know, freedom um, to defend. So those are what some of the archetypes are like. Okay. See, I'm glad you brought that with the baby boomers because I've always seen more um, positive results from that generation. And I guess there's kind of like this stigma against them, at least nowadays, at least from, um, well, not everybody in my generation, but some people from my generation. And I guess why is there like kind of like this kind of hatred towards baby boomers? Okay. So, yeah, it's interesting. Again, when you think about studying, um, when you think about studying people, you've got You've got people who are born at a certain time, and then there are all these different ages. But that only takes place in a social context. So when baby boomers were the were middle aged, when they when they were young and middle aged, um, again they they're the pop culture and trendsetters, right? Um, so now that they are older adults, there are now younger generations that are the younger adults setting pop culture and trends. And they, they tend to set the opinion of, of society, basically. Hmm. So they're not looking at baby boomers in the 60s and 70s when the baby boomers were making headway. They're looking at baby boomers who have prospered, who have quite a bit of money now, um, who have been in jobs for longer than any generation has ever been in jobs. Um, and so it's not so very positive. Um, that's where I'm assuming you're referring to like the okay boomer, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, whatever, you know, you didn't grow up with technology. You don't understand us. You don't know how to, you know, um, you, you don't know how to use that app. You don't know how to this, that, and the other. Um, so, you know, they're outdated. Boomers are now outdated. Boomers are now older adults. Um, and again, if our society doesn't respect older adults, it doesn't kind of matter what they did in their prime, once they get to be older adults, they're going to be less valued. Yeah. So I guess a lot of the hatred is just because of the disconnect then, just because of, um, like with my generation growing up in like the internet age and, yeah. and all that. Okay. Yeah. See, my generation was, you know, we were often referred to as the latchkey kids. So, um, women were working more than they ever had before. And so we as middle schoolers and high schoolers were coming home uh, to empty houses. You know, we didn't, we didn't have, like the previous generations had usually had, a, you know, a stay-at-home wife and mother middle class did. Not, not everybody did. Um, but so Gen X, uh, I mean, one reason we were named Gen X is because they couldn't quite figure out, you know, like, well, what are they? What is their characteristic? Um, and you can really only name a generation uh, after time has passed and you see what's significant about them. 
And so finally, I'm kind of in the, in the middle of my generational cohort. I'm 50. And so what's really coming out now, a lot of it is in response to COVID. Um, so Gen Xers are being talked about in terms of, you know, we've got the boomers who have made a big mark and are still very opinionated, uh, heavily in politics. Um, and we've got millennials um, who um, are, are calling for, you know, n no judgment and, you know, really focusing on um, identity politics, individualism and things like that. And so here's Gen X kind of in the middle, just going, yeah. whatever, we're just doing <laughs> our thing, you know, just like we always have. We're just taking care of ourselves. You know, we we don't fight too much. We don't complain too much. We just kind of take care of ourselves like we always have. So that, that's kind of what, what Gen X is like. See, and I've always had a kind of a Gen X mindset, too, okay. because I, I, I love like the 1990s as an era and just uh -huh. the, the music from there yeah. just very uh nihilistic and all that and yeah i i just i love that uh-huh <laughs> so you know in in talking about these uh i'll call them ideal types i mean obviously uh, you know these generations of people don't live in these isolated you know cohorts um we all coexist but what we see less of today is intergenerational interaction it's easy to get segregated um, and because people are living so much longer, uh, and because the birth cohorts are starting to shrink, um, and because technology is moving so quickly, like never before, right? I mean, think about how long people went without a telephone or without an automobile, and then think about how many phone versions you have had in your lifetime, right? Yeah. So, um... The older adults of today, you take somebody who's 90 years old, they have seen more change in their lifetime than any generation before them because they've lived longer, but also because technology has rapidly, exponentially uh, increased. So the only way to keep from being siloed from one another and being siloed from one another is what leads to OK Boomer or oh Snowflake Millennials or whatever. Um, is to interact more, is to intentionally interact more. So can I ask you a question? Yeah. Okay. Um, have you ever heard of an age-friendly university? No. Okay. So um, MSU is now officially an age-friendly university. So this was a movement that was formally started by Dublin City University in 2000. 12, I believe. I think I'm saying that right. And there are also other uh, similar types of age-friendliness, like age-friendly communities, age-friendly states. And um, so that the idea is really, at the crux of it all, it's really to blend, to get our generations to all uh, interact more. Because when, when we only group up with, with people um, our own age, then we, we can, we can defend our own, um, we can defend our own group um, and we can other the other, you know, the other ages. And we really have so much that we can learn from one another, especially when technology is moving so quickly and rapidly. Um, so it's, it's better if we were to all talk more and understand instead of, you know, build, building these walls. 
Um, so yeah, we are an age-friendly university, and so that means that um, we want to do all we can here at MSU to welcome faculty and staff and students of all ages and to actually have conversations about what it's like to be at different life stages and, you know, what do you have to look forward to and uh, what are the problems that you're experiencing now and how you can compare that. You could, com- as a, I'm sorry, what's your age? Do you mind telling me? Oh, uh, 24. 24. I'll be 25 in August. Okay, so your main concern's at 25, you know, I'm 50, so what were my main concerns at age 25? And if we could also be including somebody who's 75 or 90 years old, they could say what their main concerns were at age 25. And, um, you know, there's some, um, it's cathartic, you know, to be able to see that we're not the first 25-year-olds to know that we have concerns. And, um, you know, just listen to one another and try to understand one another. Yeah. What are some good bucket list items bucket list items okay so <clears throat> i know a lot of people would think about things like uh jump out of an airplane and you know um travel here or there see this or that uh again honestly from my from my kind of <clears throat> introverted opinion um it would be know yourself, make amends, maybe don't shoot for happiness necessarily, but contentment and peace, and think about what you want your legacy to be. I think those are bucket list items. I know they're kind of serious, but I don't know, you could jump out of an airplane too, I guess. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, well, I have two last questions and this is, these are questions that I pretty much ask uh, everybody on this show. Okay. <clears throat> what is something that has brought you joy today? Meeting a fellow introvert oh. and watching, <laughs> watching the wheels turn and, uh, um, yeah, I'm glad I got to meet you. Oh, thank you. I'm glad, I'm glad I got to meet you too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is something that you need to work on? Although I think optimistically, although I train myself to think optimistically, I know that I can take things very, very seriously. So um, I, I, I think probably just uh, lightening up as often as I can. Yeah trying to trying to laugh more trying to have more fun instead of probably being so um achievement driven yeah i think so mm-hmm. well uh thank you so much for being here dr hall and uh for our viewers and uh and well, we have viewers and listeners thank you so much for watching and listening and of course for more content uh please subscribe to Your Self-Help Quest on YouTube, Apple, Spotify. Um, You can also check out our website. And I hope you all have a very beautiful day. And make sure to take care of yourselves.